Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Torque Talk Radio. As always, we are your hosts, Sam and Brock. Hello, Brock. Hey. Hello. All right. So tonight, we want to discuss some newly released information on the uh, C8 platform. Obviously, we don't want to just jump right back into the C8 and always talk about it. But as more information does come out and as the picture gets a little bit clearer, I do want to kind of step back, touch base on what we said last time and pretty much point out the fact that you were pretty much right on on target with what your predictions were. Um, It's very interesting, some of the information. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But I kind of want to bring that conversation, and this kind of is a little bit of a spoiler as to why we want to talk about it, um, and, and talk about the greater world of EVs. Obviously, it's becoming a big thing. It's it's unavoidable. It's the way of the future. And whether you've got a sour taste in your mouth or a sweet one, I, I, I am perfectly okay with admitting to the fact that it is unavoidable. Um, so I want to talk about it, see what your opinions on it, see what po- people's opinions might be uh, be about it. It's a pretty controversial topic right now. Um, yeah, that's what I, what I want to do. But first, we'll go ahead and take some uh, take a step back into the C8 world and, and talk about some of the new released information. Um, Brock, as you know, you, you and I have talked about this already. Um, they released the leak of engines that are possibly going to be coming in and from this source that it came from it's a pretty reputable source um it was from i actually saw from a couple places um and i don't know if you saw them from the same places or not but it looked like it came from quite a few of the corvette forums and stuff like that that have been uh leaking information since before the the c8 was actually released to the public and so far all of the information that they've leaked previously has turned out mostly true so you could argue that this is a pretty good source at this time that's why you can almost take this for literal truth rather than conspiracy theory mm-hmm. but um but yeah so obviously i mean you're probably looking at the graph right now too i would assume um yeah I am. you are okay so so uh, what we're looking at here for all the guests that are listening who might not have seen this, I'm just going to go over some of the basics real quick. Um, this graph, the, the this uh, infographic, whatever you want to call it, that I'm looking at right now shows the next five years for the C8 Corvette and the different things that are going to be happening. Oh, excuse me. And it calls out some really interesting information that, that it's pretty big deal. Um, 2021, not much of a change. They're not going to be releasing any new cars or anything like that. Um, they are going to be releasing the right-hand drive Corvette for the export markets. Um, that has not happened yet, uh, but it will be happening very shortly. So that's probably what they're focusing on. They're just making sure that the right-hand drive cars are as good as the left-hand drive cars as they transition to the mirror platform. Um, still going to have the LT2 with the 6.2 liter, uh, right around 495 horsepower, 465 to 470 torque, nothing new, nothing special, right? But 2022 is when it starts getting interesting. We've all heard the rumors about the Z06, and we all know that the Z06 is going to be coming. It would be stupid for Corvette not to do that. Uh, but this all but confirms what we think is true. Uh, we've already discussed this. We're pretty pretty certain that it's going to be getting the 5.5 liter uh, basically right out of the IMSA car, just a street version of it rather than the regulated and scaled back IMSA spec. Uh, they are claiming on this infographic that it's going to have 650 horsepower and about 600 foot-pounds of torque uh, coming from that 5.5 liter. Keep in mind, this is a flat plane engine. So I'll have more of a Ferrari Italian shriek to it rather than the big burly V8. Um, They are dubbing this engine as the LT6, which is kind of an homage, in my opinion, to the original, or I won't say the original Z06 because it wasn't the original, but like the C5 platform Z06 when it came out with its own special engine of the LS6, uh, which was a modified version of the LS1. So, then you get into 2023, and this is the topic that 
Brock and I both want to really focus on because this is the interesting, almost in a way, bastard child and, and in a good way. Like this is the black sheep of the family. And I think it could be really either really, really good or really possibly bad for the Corvette brand. In 2023, uh, Corvette is going to be bringing out this Grand Sport, which has always been kind of the middle child between your base Stingray and your Z06. Like you, like you look at the C7 platform. The C7 platform is very easy to tell this because it was truly the middle child. The base Stingray, you had a 6.2 liter LT1 uh, making 450, 460 horsepower. It didn't have the wide body. It didn't have the brakes. If you got the Z51, you got better brakes, better suspension, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't to the level that the Z06 was. Then you had the Z06. Z06 had the wide body, had the, the big carbon brakes if you got them, or even the steel brakes. They were still bigger than what the Z51 could get. It had all the extra cooling. It had all of the extra technology, like the, the performance data recorder, all that stuff. And then you had the Grand Sport that came out in 2017. Because you think about it, 2014 was the VET, 2015 was the Z06. Then they kind of took a break for a moment, and then they brought out the Grand Sport in 2017. That was everything the Z06 was except the engine. And in my opinion, is the best car out of the lineup for the normal consumer. Yeah, the ZR1's badass. Yeah, the Z06 is awesome. But the Grand Sport's kind of the best of the bunch, best bang bang for your buck, I think, because um, it was still priced more at a at a Stingray price. But you got all the stuff from the Grand or from the Z06 without the Z06 price. Um, so that was my opinion, the best car out of the C7. The C6 was kind of the same way. You still got the the. Uh, ls3 rather than the ls7 so you still got the 6.2 instead of the big 427 um it, it was kind of the middle ground between the base model and the the z06 again but now the grand sport is its own beast we've heard the rumors about it possibly going hybrid we've heard the rumors about corvette playing with evs or something like that and this all but confirms that We've also heard rumors that they might be considering all-wheel drive. And the only way that I could think that this would work would be to use an all-wheel drive setup. In 2023, the Grand Sport's going to have the LT2, which is the 6.2 liter, but it's going to be attached to a hybrid system. Now, that's a big deal. That's that's a really big deal. Um, 600 horsepower, 500 foot foot-pounds of torque. That's going to be your grand sport. Now, going back to what you said, Brock, mm-hmm. you think that this is going to be in the realm of an all-wheel drive, obviously, similar to like how uh, well, Honda did the NSX, correct? I never, I never said it was going to be all-wheel drive. I, I don't think it's going to be all-wheel oh, okay. drive. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that rumor. I'm not gonna throw a rumor, but I'm just gonna be honest. I don't think it's gonna be all wheel drive. I think it's still gonna be rear wheel drive. The only reason I say that is because the only way the Grand Sport can be all wheel drive is if it is selected higher than the Z06. Because as soon as you make that car all wheel drive, the Z06 will become slower. True. Which is kind of backwards. True. Okay. Because around because in. In honesty, when you're on a racetrack, it's all about how fast your corner exit is because you're trying to make a straightaway as long as possible. So if you have an all-wheel drive electric power-driven vehicle, it gives you that extra 200 foot-pounds of torque or whatever it's designed for out of the corner. It'll beat the hell out of a rear-wheel drive Z06 even if it has more power. Right. So I think it'll... Like I said, I, I don't really know, like, I almost think that particular, because this, if you're reading the chart, this is a likely application. It's not, like, I think that was filled in by people, if you get what I mean, like, Corvette form people. I think the rest of it is, like, basically a patent list that was right out. 
So I'm going to be honest with you. I think the 2023 LT2 6.2 liter hybrid, if it's all wheel drive, I think that'll be the powertrain for the Cadillac. If the Cadillac gets them an engine, that would be my opinion. Okay. So you're so you're saying that the the Grand Sport might still be just the middle child between the if, Z06 and the Stingray. If if it gets like I just don't know what it would what they would do is just because like I like I said I it would be definitely faster than the Z06. So like maybe I mean hell if it's all wheel drive it's gonna beat a Z06 in a drag race off right. the line. So it's it's what do you do? You get what I right. mean by that? It's like you have you because then at that point the Z06 is meaningless. You did there was no reason to build that car. The Grand Sport should have been the Z06. You know what right. I mean? And and would you possibly consider this theory too? Because I have heard people talk about this where the Z06, when it was originally introduced as the C5, was supposed to be the stripped down kind of Z28 of the Corvette range, right? Like you think about yeah. what the Z28 mm-hmm. originally was and what honestly should have been, in my opinion. Um, like the 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 new Z28 from like the fifth generation. I, I have my opinions about that car. Awesome car. Don't think it was named right. Um, what do you mean? Right. His name so right. the Z06 originally was supposed to be kind of like that that stripped down Z uh, Z28 chassis where it's it's focused more on the performance rather than the luxury. And in the C7, I will argue this, in the C7, they kind of lost track of that because the C6, all you got was a base model with wide fenders, big brakes and a big engine big engine and that's why it performed so well and it wasn't really about the frill or the fanciness i mean you can't really get real fancy with a c6 anyway but um but yeah so that's kind of what the z06 was and i wonder maybe if they're getting back to that and because of that the Grand Sport and the Z06 might swap places on where they exist, because because the Grand Sport, yeah. the Grand Sport was kind of that. It was kind of the the driver's car. It was the you had all the amenities as well as the performance, and then the Grand Sport name disappeared, and the Z06 kind of formed in that spot in the C5. Like you think about the C4 going way back. Um, the Grand mm-hmm. Sport kind of was like the best of the best. And then, of course, they brought out the ZR1 at the very end there um, with the LT5 or whatever it was. Um, but the Grand Sport was kind of that that all all the bells and whistles, all the performance, all the everything. Well, the original Grand Sport was they were race cars. Well, right, yeah, going generation. back to the C2. Um, yeah. They weren't it like the C fours Grand Sports. All they were is just basically a paint job that was homage to the C two right. generation race cars. It, but like, but when it comes to the Grand Sport of the earlier, like of the C two generation, they were just race cars. That's right. all they were. That was the reason, and it was just that was the term that they did that. I mean. You can argue because it. I mean, they did compete in the GT class, so maybe that was kind of supposed to be a, a play on words, you know, for right. Grand Sport. But I don't know. It's just it would be interesting if they did that. It's it's the only thing I'm curious about is you just trained. I would say two generations of Corvette owners, or really, I mean, we can have a whole debate probably an hour long about what the C7 did to the Corvette in like owners. But you've also got a lot of new owners that came in that have never heard of anything Corvette. That this is the C7s were their first generation, so they view it as the Grand Sport's supposed to be like the middle child, right? So So I just it would it would be difficult to restructure again. Yeah, I'm just like I said, I just don't know what they're gonna do. Like, I mean, it's fine. It's just if they do a hybrid all-wheel drive system in the Grand Sport, and it's slower than the Z06. That car was made to be slower than the Z06. Right, and that that that's a good speculation and, point, too, because it's like, are you going to purposely yeah. hold back the Grand Sport 
to make sure that the Z06 looks better. Because, I mean, on paper, on paper, all-wheel drive versus rear-wheel drive versus 650 horsepower and 600 horsepower. Yeah, they're, they, you kind of give and take on both ends, and it almost kind of like, well, which direction you want to go kind of a thing. I mean, and the one thing that's funny to me is that when you read in this list, it says 600 horsepower and 500 foot-pounds of torque. And so what you're trying to tell me is that you guys put an electric motor in it and only gain because the stock car has 470 foot-pounds of torque. So what you're you're trying to tell me is that it only gained 30 foot-pounds of torque? No, definitely not. Because the only reason that these people put, like manufacturers as people, put electric motors in them is to make a lot more torque right off the get-go. So I just don't know. Like It's going to be... Like we said, these are all right. speculation, but I the one that I was really right about is coming up. So you can okay, so we'll we'll go list. ahead and continue. We'll hold there for a second. But so the next two vehicles, uh, twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. So you're talking four years from now and five years from now. Uh, twenty twenty four is the introduction of the ZR one, the famous ZR one. This is the one that we saw schematics for back in July of 19 before like right before the actual Corvette was introduced there was a big leak of some schematics that that got released of the basically the the rear end of the car you can see the engine and you can see turbos and everybody's like well what the heck is that um and it was very clearly Corvette because it had the rear fascia and you can see what it looked like so it was like okay guys what do you got here they are introducing the LT7, which I think we had heard that term before already as well. Um, it is the same 5.5 liter uh, engine, but it has a twin turbo setup. So you're looking at basically the Z06 with turbos, making 850 horsepower and 825 foot-pounds of torque estimated, of course. Um, and who knows if this list is just completely made up too. So that's that's kind of in the air. But that would make sense because that would put it right at or right above the range of all of the competitors in that super like that hyper supercar like not quite a hypercar but still more than a normal supercar you're looking at your preferamonte your pista your uh what else do, what else is out there right now really um your i guess gt3 spec almost in a way audis um obviously the 710 mclaren stuff like that right 720 God, i say 710 it's been a long day <laughs> um yeah. and then in 2025 you're looking at what they're introducing the new nameplate of the corvette zora this is going to be the halo this is going to be the top of the line the best of the best hands down it's going to be twin turbo hybrid 1000 horsepower 970 foot pounds of torque 975 foot pounds of torque this one i can almost guarantee will probably be if they're going to do all wheel drive this would get it because that would put it in a new realm of performance and i think with that much power if it is true they're going to need all wheel drive for it to even be useful um so Absolutely. that one I 100% I think we both can agree on that one that one's probably getting that hybrid system or definitely getting the hybrid system yeah. it's def- it's going to probably get the all-wheel drive system which it would make sense too because like you go again back to what we talked about last time where you look at the chassis like I remember seeing it at um the 24 hours of Daytona there's enough room up there there's a suspiciously a large amount of space that is not being filled by any type of like storage or front trunk or frunk or whatever you want to call it. Well, the, during the reveal, weren't wasn't hybrid or all-wheel drive it was mentioned? Not mentioned Just, directly, but it was mentioned in like around kind of yeah, around they, the they question like, softly implied something. And I don't remember the exact phrasing. I wish I did because that would be a really good point. But they, they, they mentioned something, and I remember it was whatever they said, 
as well as the infographic that was up on the screen behind the the, the guy that was speaking's fate uh, head. It it was like, hey, by the way, cough cough, hint hint, nudge nudge, we're probably going all wheel drive, like we're probably gonna have to, kind of a thing. Um, which is fine with me. I'm perfectly okay with that. I, th- I think that if you're gonna build a supercar to this extent, you you almost have to play the game with everybody else. Like you you, you can't just continue to do the same thing you've been doing for three decades and expect it to work forever. They're eventually going to leave you behind simply because technology gets better. Um, so Corvette going <laughs> all-wheel drive is perfectly reasonable in my opinion, uh, especially if it's attached to a hybrid drive system. And it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really curious. But going back to that Grand Sport, that's going to be, I would say, depending on what they do with it, that I think is going to be a deal maker for most people, Corvette fan or not. That is going to bring new people to the market. Well, realistically, the Grand Sport has always been the money maker, so they they have to do it smart. Because if you make it too far away from the price of a right. base C8. If it's still going to be the middle child between that and the Z06, you're going to have to... Because if it has a hybrid system, there's no way they can keep it that cheap unless they just decide to give it away, which is a possibility. They can do what they want. Um, I just... I don't know. What price range would you think it would have to be in? Because the base car right. is 60 So let's say the base car in 2020... Sorry, my list went away. What did it say? What year is that supposed to come out? Uh, 23? The Z06 is 2022, and the Grand Sport's 2023. So, let's just say the base C8 has crept up to, like, 63 as a base price, because we all know it's not going to be 60 forever. Um, It'll go up a little bit. I would probably say it would have to be in the 75 yeah, I, range. I think, I think that would be cool. appropriate, because, like, you look at the, the current Corvettes, uh, pricing wise, your base Corvette starts around 65, like it's 60 to 65. Then you get to the Z06 and I'm, I'm going to skip over the, the Grand Sport for a second, but you get the Z06, those start at 85. So you go from 65 to about yep. 90 for a fully top of the line 3LT, whatever, Stingray. Then your Z06 starts at 85, tops out at about 105. Now you're talking 3LZ with the Z07 package, all the bells and whistles. You're looking at about 105, maybe 110, maybe. I don't think they actually went that high. Then you have your ZR1, obviously, that starts at about 100 and goes to about 120. But then you have the Grand Sport, and the Grand Sport is, in my opinion, perfectly middle-priced as well. It doesn't start at 65. It starts at about 75, 80, and goes up to about 85 to 90. So it's just nipping the heels of the Z06, but I feel it's appropriately priced that it's about $5,000 less because you're getting about $5,000 less of engine, pretty much, because otherwise they are the same. They are, I wouldn't say the same, but they are brothers rather than cousins kind of a thing so Mm -hmm. for it to work for it to schematically work if they're going to continue that scheme and that the z06 is still higher than the grand sport then being that the new car starts at 60 goes to about 90 right right where it should be the z06 i believe will probably start at about 85 that would make sense for it to be about $25,000 more because you get all the extra and stop maybe, maybe 110, 115. And then the Grand Sport be right there. I almost want to say right under it, but if it's going to have the hybrid system, I would be okay with it being the same price as the Z06. And almost like you can either go left or right. Like red pill, red pill, blue pill, kind of thing. 
I just, I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just not questionable. I just, I'm, we've seen this whole, the Corvette atmosphere has changed so much now with the new car that they've kind of, they can revamp whatever right. they want. There's so been don't enough know what they're radical do. change it's, that you could keep changing and people are going to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like I said, if me looking at it logically, if I per se am going to, like I would say I was running Corvette and I was running Chevrolet this side of there, I just, I don't think I would give the Grand Sport a hybrid just because I wouldn't want it to basically mop the floor with the Z06. That's just me. But at the same time, I do understand why they're doing it because they want to I think just mainly they want to get their name out there they want to show that the car's got oh it's got EV okay guys you know they're uh, they're they're getting somewhere they're working with us and then they just they want to get ahead of the curve before the the ZR1 or before the Zora gets out which I was just happy to see Zora on there because that was you know that was a thing I had for a long time right I said that's what they were going to do but I don't know. I think it really all depends on, I guess, what the the new clients right. and are that, willing and to spend. I think that's why part of me is a traditionalist, and I don't want to see. It's not that I don't want to see hybrid systems. It's like I don't want to see the the Grand Sport become its own thing because that. I mean, you know me. I have kind of a weird special thing for Grand Sport. I want a Grand Sport. I could get a Z06 for the same price when it comes to the C7s. I want a Grand Sport because I feel like it's, again, I've said it a hundred times already. It's better bang for your buck. It's it's a more usable, more practical, and in some ways more reliable uh, Corvette for, for the daily driver, not for a daily <laughs> yeah. driver. I mean, I'm going to daily driver one personally, but, but still, like even for the weekender, it's just a better car. It's just a better cruiser as well as still being performance yeah you're not getting an engine that you could probably build and make a thousand horsepower with like you see on 1320 videos and stuff like that but yeah for what i want to do with it it's the better car i don't need 650 horsepower if if i was going to build a track car right now that had to be a corvette besides my car i've already got um It'd probably be a C6 Grand Sport just because it's you already get the wide body fenders, but you have an LS3, you can do a top a top end kit on it and make 500 horsepower out of it. You can do it's already got a dry sump, you've already got the brake upgrade, so all you'd have to do is do wheels and tires, do some body work, like as far as aero and stuff like that. Like if I'm gonna build one, and it's the same way on the C7, like uh, I would just do a top end kit on one and love it and just enjoy it it would be a great daily driver because i mean 500 horsepower and c7s i've driven a couple that have right that. It, it's like a sweet spot once you it, it just drives good the chassis feels good it doesn't feel like it overbears anything um i just think that's the perfect combination i think the c the grand sport always has been because the especially in the c7 generation the z06 just had too much power right realistically and when it had the heat and it had the heat soak issue with the transmission and the motor so you had all these issues and then like when they came out with the zr1 that addressed all the heat soaking issues even everybody that drove them just said they were a handful it had way too much power for the chassis to ever handle i mean so have you seen have you seen the nurberg video of the zr1 it i was yeah, I was anxious, nervous, like white knuckling it, watching the video, because it's it's just all over the place. Well, I just feel, I just feel bad. Have you have you listened to the uh, dinner? It's dinner with racers. Um, I forgot which episode it is, but uh, have you listened to the one where they talk to the actual, uh, like he does the suspension tuning for the road, and he explains about the Nuremberg issues with the C7 
about trying to get a lap time. I feel I feel so bad for Chevrolet. Yeah, they got screwed every time. Every time to try and get a lap that was like good. Right. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. Um, they. I believe when it came to the Z06, either every time they went to do it, it was the weather was horrible or it rained or some other thing. And then they had one time, I think if I when recall, the problem with the original Z06 um, test was that they changed the procedure. So it used to be when you would get – because basically, if people didn't know this, on the Nuremberg, when they go to do their lap record attempts, you rent the track. And it depends on the tr- like how expensive you're willing to go. On the smaller manufacturers, which when it, as far as the money they're willing to spend, GM is one of the, technically a smaller one in this. You rent it per like hour. So they might they only get like a certain amount of track time. Well, it used to be where you go out, you do a full lap to get everything up to temperature and right. you go do your hot lap, right? What it, they changed the procedure before they got there for the Z06. You had to go out on the back straight back straight and then go to turn one and that's where your lap started. So you had to get your tires up to temperature in like three corners before turn one, which was almost impossible. So that was part of their biggest issue that they had, trying to get the car up the tires up the temp. Um, so that happened, and I think the rest of it was just weather. That's what I mean. Obviously, these in a lot of people's eyes are excuses, but at the same time, they just felt like right. they didn't want to spend all their money on it, trying to get trying to chase these lap times because even though they knew they could be better, it's like. But I'm just excited to see what the C8's official time is. Because I don't know if it has been posted. Has it? no. Uh, well, the the C eight Stingray has. Okay, they said, yeah, the C eight Stingray lap was a seven twenty eight three, and the Lamborghini's record lap was a yeah, seven twenty eight. Respectful flat. time. <laughs> so yeah, which I I mean. It's a respectful time. It's just, I mean, we all know the biggest problem with the the C8 right now is the lack of power, per se, and the lack of RPM. That's the only two. Yeah. yeah. But, so the C8 did a, a 728.3, and the rival they were trying to beat was a Lamborghini Huracan LP610-4. Which, granted, so Lamborghini's got 610 horsepower, which is way more, and it's all-wheel drive. So that's that's doing pretty good if you're if you're basically at that level. Right, exactly. It said it was 11 seconds quicker than the C7, Z51. Right. <laughs> that's yeah, no, and that, and that just goes to show is, like, just with I, a, that's, a, that's a, a swap in the chassis and a little bit of tuning, you've already... You've already yeah. done exactly what you needed to do. So that's a good thing. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Right. Well, we and that's why I wanted, to bring, I wanted to bring up the Corvette stuff first because it kind of segues into the conversation is what is the world's stance on EVs? And as EVs and hybrid systems, like you think hybrid system, 10 years ago, when you said hybrid, that was like a disgusting word that you did not speak of because Prius and me, a Toyota owner, I, I still have kind of a, I hope none of my employee or my employers are listening to this, but it's Prius. You don't, you don't think about Prius and awe inspiring fun sports car like that. Those just don't go together. Right. And some people kind of played with the ideas no. of making high end EV sports sedans or sports coupes, but like you had your Carmen and that didn't work out too well. You had some of your other expensive cars that were like one-off cars and they, they were good, but they didn't survive obviously because they're one-off high-end sports cars. But then Tesla into the ring. Tesla, I think kind of flipped the world, whether we want to admit it or not on its head. Right. Well, they, the craziest part to me is they've got the most loyal 
owners right in such and, a short amount of time it's weird because it's not it, just car people anymore it's like tech junkies like this oh yeah well it's like everybody think, decided think they about had it, to the have same the same buyer i mean out of, of a nowhere. tesla or at least at first was the same buyer who would stand outside of apple for 48 hours to buy the newest iphone like it's it's on that level of yep. brand commitment now and like you don't see i mean people yeah they'll flock like the new c8 people flock to the dealerships to buy allocations but it wasn't like they were standing in front of the door waiting kind of a thing well it's it's like that story that i've told on here before it's like about where they they were trying to get these cars into europe before they shut the borders and they literally just started handing out keys and saying okay black cars are over there white cars are over there go find it hit the button and that's your car. It's like you couldn't it just the the people were fine with this, right. which is just that just boggles me. It's like it's it's kind of it's just a following that's unlike any other. They're just okay with everything. They're okay they know that this car, like the build quality isn't really up to standard, but the technology you're getting in it is. So that's why you're willing to pay the money it is. Um it's just it's interesting. Um I really don't know, and that's how far it's going to go. And that's what I though. want to speculate. That's because now we have kind of a lot of EVs that are that are, and I, I'm going to use the term EV kind of both hybrid and all electric because it's it's kind of hard to distinguish. I mean, obviously it's easy, easy to distinguish between the two, but it's kind of like who's doing what and, and what are we doing and stuff like that. I think hybrid might be kind of going back out. Um, hybrid might become more of a only for high-end exotics and stuff like that because they still want the gasoline engine kind of a thing. But I think EV is going to replace most of the vehicles within the market uh, within a certain amount of time. We'll say 20 years, something like that. But... I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't... I just don't think... It's going to get to that point in right. my lifetime yet. The only way it can get to that point is if the regulation. Right, because you have, you have countries like that Germany point. that said they're going to be 100% electric by 2025. No questions asked. Yep. Germany. And um, wasn't it I think France, France was, was talking about it, way? but I don't think they've ever actually they said, made a law or anything. Yeah, but I mean. I don't know. I th- I personally think, and I've been a big advocate this for years. I don't think EV is the way to go. I think we should have put all our money in hydrogen, right? Uh, fuel cell cars. And but the problem is, is that there's no way to like physically tax water, which is what the hydrogen fuel cell cars. If you could get them to that point, which I mean, we've already got the technology. It's been shown. It's just never been used for obvious reasons. But you can't tax or you can't charge for water, which is why we won't go that far. So you, you've got EV, which has been around, gosh, for a hundred, like a hundred years. I mean, since the first, I mean, the first electric car was well, the, 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 when the, the first was car running. ever made actually so, had a battery on it. It was, it was a electric vehicle. Exactly. So, so it's just. I think we have been put on a path and we've been forced to go EV, if you get what I mean. It might not be the best choice, but it was somebody's choice. So we're making the best of it. That's the best way to go. And right now, Tesla is the name of the game as far as the the standards of performance when it comes to EVs. But I don't know how much longer. And I I do agree with that because as other brands, obviously much, much larger manufacturers, Ford, Chevrolet, or GM, um, Volkswagen, those those are three names that just right off the bat, I think EV because of how committed they've been to the brand or to the to the technology. Um, Once they get their stuff out on the market, I guess you could say mainstream. Tesla is going to be obsolete, in my opinion. I just, like I said, I 
like we were talking about that one episode, I think Tesla should focus more on selling their their basically their package, their performance, like then selling cars. You know, selling which, their battery packs, selling their I, their electric motors. I was gonna say Tesla I should see Tesla selling for lack of a better term, selling out to a manufacturer. I could I, I think they'd make more money if they'd supply Chevrolet, GM, Ford, like with all of this technology and just said, hey, make the car. I'll supply you with a great electric motor setup. I'll supply you with a great battery power, like battery cell setup. It's like, you because then you're only doing a piece of the puzzle and you're having a manufacturer that if they're willing to go all in on this, you're going right. to be making money all the time because they're going to be mass producing these cars. But bravo to them. They wanted to make a car. They have made met many different versions of it. It has sold very well. I mean, granted, they aren't making any money on them. And they've been told, and everybody knows it's common knowledge. You can just Google it. Like, they lose money on every car they sell. The, the Tesla truck is really interesting. Uh, don't know if it'll ever come to anything. It it's never not been confirmed and it's ever going to become a mass production piece. You had the Tesla Roadster, which was supposed to be the supercar killer, but that's gone dormant as well. We haven't heard anything about that. So I'm just curious on what their end game is going to be. And you, I mean, we, we've already talked about this, but you well, got the Ford with the Mach-E that's trying right. to get and, into the and SUV that's what I market. I want to kind of get to now, though, is as we have more vehicles come in to add another one to the vehicle, they, they GM introduced the EV Hummer. Like that's the weirdest thing I've ever thought about yep, going, that EV, was but Hey, I get it. Like it's a really, it's a showstopper of a truck. Well, you that's had... going to be like, Hey world, look at this. Well, they wanted, the problem is GM is, this is really sad to say, but GM has always screwed up anything related to hybrid or electric. They screwed up with the, the Volt. It was cheap as far as quality because it was around that era. They ruined that. The Volt's gone now. So now you get the Bolt, which is like the little four-seater yeah. like hatchback thing. You've got that. It's not selling well. It's not doing well. It costs too much. Okay. So they decided that, hey, we're going to make electric trucks, so we're going to use Hummer, which is fine. I mean, that name's been dead now, so you might as well reuse it, but it, they're going to cost so much that it's not... It's obviously going to be a small production run. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I just don't understand. It's like, they're putting all this money into doing this, but what are they... Are they just doing it? Yeah, and, and good, I, you could think? argue that this might just be a, a I mean, publicity stunt, like for doing both the EV Mustang, whatever the hell that is, the EV Mustang Mach Mach E, as well as the fact that they purchased, yeah, uh, what is that EV company name? I want to say Remick. Um, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I should have looked this up. I apologize. But they bought the EV company that was already building an EV pickup or had plans to uh, and basically took everything they had and was like, okay, we're going to give you a body to put on top of your chassis. And now they're going to build the EV F-150. And that's why GM was like, okay, well, we're going to do an EV pickup as well. But they can't do the Silverado or the GMC. So they're going to build a GMC Hummer like that. And that that's one of the cool things about it is it's going to be a GMC model Hummer. So, um, yeah, but Which is com- completely fine as EVs become more popular. And since we already know that, uh, Tesla's are a decent performance car, they, they really are. What do you think about these new performance EVs hitting the, uh, the market? I think they're really cool. Um, I am. I'm not a huge fan of watching the Formula E. I just have a problem with like. I guess it's 
It's not as exciting. That's just me. But uh, it's got performance potential. I'm just... I'm ready for a all-electric, like, basically sports car style series. That's what I'm waiting for. But, I mean, obviously we need more right. sports cars that are electric to base it off of. But that's what I think will be kind of interesting to kind of show what you could do. But I am – I'm just – I'm not 100% sure, like, We've got a lot of these grant. Like I don't know all the names off the top of my head. I can't. I'll be honest with you because I don't look at it enough. But I know that there's at least three or four sports cars that are electric out there now that are all like these crazy 3D printed or kit cars or you know like small production runs. But when is Ford? When is Chevy? When is like hell like when is ferrari when is all of these companies when are they going to have an all-electric sports car come out no idea could be 2030 could be earlier it's just the only way they can do it is if everybody accepts it immediately because they can't afford backlash on something so experimental if that'd be a better term for it but I could totally see at some point like the Camaro going electric. I could see that. Um, I could see the Mustang going electric. It's just, I don't know. Like, we just, once we commit, we got to be committed. I mean, that's the truth. Uh, right now, we're not committed on electric power, we haven't yet. Which is why right. you don't and, see and it as regular. Add to your Camaro and Mustang comment. They have released EV uh, drag cars. They the, the Camaro did the EP Copo or the the E Copo. Uh, what was it? Twenty eighteen. Yep. And then as of this past couple of weeks, Ford released the all electric Cobra Jet, which is, uh, in my opinion, cool as crap. Like I, I'm I'm one hundred percent on board with it because. I mean, the, we haven't seen the Cobra Jet run yet, but the 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 Camaro, the E Copo, it did a ten second quarter mile, and it's like okay. I mean, it doesn't have the yep. the the cool sounds of the V eight and stuff like that, but it was like oh, all right. I mean, it obviously performs. Um, there's a there's a lot of interesting swaps going on right now. If you start looking of tesla power unit yeah i saw i saw one person did a tesla powered for um old vw beetle which in my opinion was cool as crap um yeah i've actually personally seen and i don't know maybe you've seen this too if you've been to cars and coffee recently um a tesla powered i don't know if it was tesla powered or if it was just an electric motor put into but it was into a 70s porsche 911 um again cool as crap like i was totally about and 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 i am okay with an electric future if it's done right like if it's done like again if it's not going to be just like hybrids where it's like oh prius honda insight uh sonata hybrid camry hybrid uh ford fusion hybrid like all the just the boring monotony sedans small suvs that's like when they brought out the mustang mach-e i'm like really really you had the opportunity to build something using the mustang name and being that it's electric something that could have been really cool and you built an suv like why couldn't you just call that the escape hybrid or the escape ev or something like that and just left it and made the ev mustang an actual mustang with the ev platform or whatever I digress. Um, the idea of, of the world going electric, if they do it right and they still build cars that are going to be passionate and enjoyable rather than just the monotony, then I'm okay with it. I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit off topic, but I wanted to ask you because you never responded. What did you think of my Camaro theory? Of the future of it. Like the one that you just said? 
No, not not the electric, but the actual oh. like theory I texted you the other day. Oh, about um, its place with the Corvette of what it's gonna do. I you want me to go ahead and tell the audience before be you respond? I, I don't mind. To be honest, because I do have some opinions about that, and I do have some opinions about that whole okay. class of vehicle: the Camaro, the Mustang, the Challenger, and I do yeah. think that muscle cars are kind of starting to die off again. But I will get to we that would be a really good yeah. conversation for another one. So I think we're gonna we're gonna hold on that. Um, let's go ahead and finish this up because one thing that I did okay. did I that I did speak about to you about that I have heard some from some from feedback from some of our fans. Um, we're gonna try a hour long rather than an hour and a half just to kind of a little bit more condensed. See if y'all like this or not. If you do want more detail, because um, obviously Brock and I can talk for much longer if we need to. Um, but yeah, just to kind of try this out a little bit, try it yep. out, see what we think about it, um, to finish up the conversation and to kind of sum up both of the topics this evening, the idea of hybridization and EV, like I said at the beginning, I think is an unavoidable reality. And some of the opinions that I have heard from people about, oh, EVs aren't better for the environment or something like that. Statistically, that's actually wrong. Um, there's been plenty of studies that have showed that even using the dirtiest power plants and stuff like that, an EV is still technically from beginning of production to end of life after approximately five years, because on average, most car buyers hold their car for five years or less. So whenever they test like total output over a certain amount of time from beginning of production from the raw materials all the way to end of life after five years, that's what they look at. And there's actually a really good uh, to give the, a shout out to the guys at Donut Media. Um, there was a wheelhouse episode. I think it was two weeks ago that touched on this. Like they, they explained that. And they approached the topic as a skeptic, like they they went into it as a, we want to prove this wrong, and then only managed to prove themselves wrong kind of a thing. It's a really good episode, and, and your opinions about Donut Media, I know they're kind of weird and quirky, and you can't really take them seriously. But that particular episode actually had a lot of really good research into it, and it made me want to research more. And that's why this whole topic has been kind of sitting in the back of my head why I wanted to bring it to you. But if that information is true, and if we do, like if electric ends up being the inevitable truth and that we're not going to go another direction, because I do agree with you on the whole hybrid or not hybrid uh, hydrogen technology, I would really like to see that become good because I look at it this way. Yeah. As long as you continue to build enthusiast cars, sports cars, pickup trucks that are, are fun to drive, whatever, everybody has their thing. As long as manufacturers understand that there is still going to be car people out there and that they're going to continue to give us cars that are going to be our dream cars, the cars that we put on the, the our bedroom walls as posters and stuff like that, um, then I'm okay with the, the consumer market we'll say the vast majority of the cars most people have a car as a tool rather than as a toy um so if you're the soccer mom or if you're just the business guy or the real estate agent or whoever that you just drive a car into and from work or you use a car for doing your job or you use a car to drive clients around whatever it may be if electric is the answer then I say we need to go that direction because from a, from a, uh, uh, I guess you could say protect the planet. I'm not trying to sound like a, like a, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. Um, And I'm not trying to get political either, but I can see the writing on the wall kind of thing. You know, the only, I think of it this way. I think the only way EV can completely and utterly take place of a modern vehicle, 
with of driving would say, I would say it would have to have a range of say 600 to 800 miles a full charge time of mm. let's say 4 hours total and it would have to have a fast charge of say half capacity of like 20 to 30 minutes like a quick charge i think that's the only way you could secure its role if you get what i mean because you the most people think oh oh you only buy an ev uh if you go around the city you know or you're going you're doing your daily routine which right. you're only going to run maybe a maximum of 100 miles a day if you have to go far but the problem is that you have to make this vehicle be able to do everything a gasoline motor a gasoline vehicle did which means if you want to go cross country if you want to go on vacation if you want to go you cannot right you and... cannot make it inconvenient to use it because a, at the end of the day, a car is a tool. It is not anything other than that. Like uh, even in racing, racing a car is a tool. So you can't right, and I, make it. I agree completely, not and that's why I think Which Tesla is, is so on their game right now. Yeah. Because like you look at the Model Three, the Model Three, their range is around two hundred fifty to three hundred, which is still a little bit low. But you think about an equivalent. We'll say yeah. Honda Civic sedan, right? Now, obviously, price range is not equivalent, but that would be what that car would fill as far as where it would be in the market if it was more mainstream, per se, maybe. If you take all the luxury out of it, because yeah. it is still considered somewhat of a luxury sports sedan, if you were just to make it as normal as a honda civic i think it would be comparable to that and a civic gets 35 miles to the gallon has a 12 gallon fuel tank and gets about 300 to 350 to a tank give or take like doing some quick math just because i am bored 35 times 12 Okay, that's 420, so maybe I was I was shooting it a little low. But I remember with my Civic, I got about 350 miles to a tank, right? So if you could get an EV, which the Model 3 kind of yeah. already does, that gets about 350 miles per range, and it can charge. You can do a full charge overnight, or you could do a quick charge in about 30 minutes, which they do. They've got their quick charge times down to pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I've talked to people who have Model 3s, and they're like, yeah, we charge it on Sunday night going into Monday, and we're good for the rest of the week. Like, that's pretty damn good. That's mm – -hmm. I wouldn't call it a cross-country car yet because, obviously, if you're trying I... to drive from here in North Carolina to Florida, yeah. you're going to have to stop well, for gas. Yeah. The only reason, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but the only reason why I said, like, just to give people background, the only reason why I said 600, 800 miles is that you need to make this vehicle inconvenient. And what I mean by inconvenient is you have to be able say stopping for gas takes an average of what? You're like five you're to eight minutes. You're getting candy bars and stuff. You're looking probably at 10. <laughs> so if you have to. Yeah. So. If you're if you're trying to make this vehicle take the place of your normal vehicle that has worked so well, and if it has to charge for say an average of twenty to thirty minutes to get a half capacity, you need a longer range than normal because you want to make it not inconvenience somebody. That's just the best way to explain it. Because like, when a lot of the one thing, like I said. Tesla owners are different. They don't care. They will wait as long as they need to to let it charge. That's fine. But what we're talking about is if you, if our market completely changed, a lot of people are impatient. Right. You would, you would that have is to probably the worst quality of society we have now. Is every... Yep. That you can tell this person, hey, it gets 600 miles to a charge. 
under these conditions. And it only takes 20 minutes to get 300 miles right. of fast charge. That's a maximum. You know what I mean? So if you tell somebody that, that's not going to inconvenience them. You could drive almost any trip, you know what I mean, and probably not have to charge it. And if you did, you'd have to charge it. But another topic that we're not going to cover tonight, we have mm-hmm. to at some point, is the Tesla supercharger mm-hmm. stations, the the grid that they have. So you got to develop a grid that would have to be some that we've already have, but Tesla has it and it's already over capacity. I mean, we were, I'm sure you heard the all the stuff about over Christmas last year. All the people had to wait for people to charge. It was pretty bad. Um, but in general, like that's the biggest thing Tesla also has on everybody is their charging grid is big. Big is a relative term. It's very small compared yeah, to gas it's stations. Becoming but a, it's a, big a compared to anybody else. Yeah, but yeah, that's about it. Like honestly, EV we can go on and on about. There's yeah, so no, many and, things and that's that go into I'm, it. I'm both curious concerned and hopeful all at the same time because i i mean you you know me i'm a man of science uh, for as big as of a space fan as i am and stuff like that and it's appropriate that we're talking about tesla um i i can see the writing on the wall as far as what we're doing with the planet and i'm i love my gasoline cars i love big snarly v8s i love supercars i love that stuff but for the common consumer, if EV is the answer and they can get the technology kind of to where you're talking about, where it, it really does convenience beyond the gasoline, it makes the gasoline, not only does it match it, but it makes it obsolete as far as a tool and as far as just something that you can use. Yep. It, it makes it. If it would make it so if you put a EV in the life of a normal, let's say, for a good term, soccer mom that has two kids. If you took her gasoline car and gave her the EV and it didn't inconvenience yeah, and the, and her and I, it made I her life see the easier, technology get there you win. Because I do see you, the long-term benefits of it, and and... I do think that it could get there. I mean, obviously this, like you think about it, we've been building cars like the gasoline powered internal combustion engine has had over a hundred years of development. EVs are 10 years old, give or take. I mean, like the modern EV is only about 10 years. So, so you think about it, it's well within its infancy. Well, um, well, you have Toyota that just put all the money into the hybrid system on their Lamar prototype. That realistically, the only reason they did that was to get data and to get manufacturing processes on a possibly right. a long, a better long term hybrid system. Which a lot of people don't realize that, like. When you see these crazy experimental, like quotation, experimental race cars that they're testing, it's all because they're trying to test it before they put into any like consumer products, which like I'm, I'm excited because if a lot of people don't know this, but uh, like when the Porsche Le Mans prototype came out, it actually had mm-hmm. a GPS trashing control system style, which will basically it maps the the circuit and it maps your particular driving technique and the limit of grip. And it actually changed the, the tuning of the car per corner. But if you add hybrid into that, so say at the straightaway or say through a certain corner and get, it can vary the amount of motor assist that it gives you. It, that to me would be amazing. I think it'd be ridiculously fun. Like in the other thing is too, is you have people like, uh, Let's think. Uh, Sasha Nice up in Canada. He has he jumped on the Tesla chain as far as modifications for a long time. Like he makes suspension components and everything, but his 350Z has a special, very special 4.2 liter VQ, uh, 30, 35. Yeah, it's still a 3.5 liter 
right. uh, that makes 600 uh, horsepower at the crank, right? He just he just did a full custom hybrid system in it to give a boost at whenever he feels like it because he just because he is embracing hybridization because his biggest his actual company is does gasoline motor tuning for performance cars. So, but he got into he made Mountain Pass Performance, which is his Tesla brand that does suspension components and also does a little bit of EV tuning on the way that the electric motors run. But it's right. just really cool and, to see people like that push the envelope to make make bring EV right. to and a grassroots level. In order to you get know? the general population on board with it, I think they need to do something that that it, it inspires people and and. I really want to see it succeed. So, uh, yeah. But other than that, uh, any any last thoughts or anything about that? Because I think we're gonna kind of sum it up here. I think I think we're good. <laughs> All um, right. I think we. So got the anyway, um, as always, we were looking. Give for. us give us a shout. We actually had a, quite a bit of feedback after we put out episode three, and I really appreciate everybody who reached out to us. As always, give us new ideas, give us thoughts. Um, if there's something that you want to hear about, reach out to us. We want to hear from you guys. Um, still have all the socials. We got the Facebook at Tor Talk Radio, uh, Instagram, Tor Talk Radio, and of course the email at tortalkradio at gmail.com. So um, other than that, uh, I think we might have an idea of what Never. we need to talk about next week. Um Yep, and never right, be and, and to give also, topics. if you guys think that them. it's a better idea, if we're debating about doing two of these a week, um, like maybe like Wednesdays, like we said we were going to do, and then possibly like on a Sunday or a Saturday or something like that. Um, I actually found myself this week at, as we did one last week thinking, well, I I kind of want to do another one. So, uh, by all means, we uh, we're thinking about it, and if you guys still like the content by all means let us know so uh, other than that mr brock you have a wonderful night and i appreciate you talking (laughs) all right good night everybody three